0: Welcome to Talks. my name is Sushant, I am an e-commerce entrepreneur and each week we bring an inspiring entrepreneur or business person from e-commerce, retail or tech industries to help you discover how to start and grow your own e-commerce business. Thanks for spending some time with me today and let's get started. Hi hey there, entrepreneurs. My name is Sushant, and welcome to Trap Talks. This is the show where I interview successful e-commerce entrepreneurs, business executives, and thought leaders, and ask them questions about their business story and also dive deep into some of the strategies and tactics that they have used to start and grow their businesses. And today, I'm really excited to welcome Robert Patton to the show. Robert is the founder and CEO of Sheath Underwear and also a former U.S. Army veteran. Sheet Thunderwear is a premium men's pouch underwear company that sells to active men in over 74 countries. Robert is also the host of Robert Patton Global Port Podcast. And mm-hmm. today I want to ask Robert a few questions about his entrepreneurial story and some of the strategies and tactics that he has used to start and grow his business. So really mm-hmm. excited and, and thank you so much for joining me today at TripTalks.
1: Thank you for having me. Yeah, I, I looked a little bit into the podcast. I guess it's something like a TED Talks for entrepreneurs-ish kind of spinoff, right?
0: Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, I want to learn uh, about the exciting and, and interesting stories of uh, entrepreneurs, how they got started and, you know, what their startup story is like, and, and maybe, you know, when they share some of the strategies and tactics. Um, so I think it's, it's, it can be quite inspirational for the new generation of entrepreneurs uh, to learn and, and get insp- inspired to start new businesses. So having said that, um, I'm very interested in your story. Uh, So you were an army Mm -hmm. veteran and you started this business. Can you share a little bit about, you know, how you got started? Did you get the idea for sheath underwear when you were still in the army?
1: I did. I was literally in Iraq serving, you know, on tour, my second tour. And, you know, they say mother, uh, the necessity. necessity is the mother of invention and uh edit that necessity (laughs) is the mother of invention and you know you hear that growing up but it's like not that many people are maybe that inventive because I've kind of been entrepreneurial my whole you know since, since my teens and on but um I've had numerous ventures trying to start like small businesses selling coupon vouchers to vegas and i had i had had a previous invention that honestly would have been a billion dollar idea it's in every walmart and home depot it's like these keys for you know the with with the football team on them like i invented that before it even happened so i kind of had that type of a mind frame going into the army i went into the army in 2006 and it was I was like at a bit of a dead end with my college tuition and my job, I was doing HR, human resources at a company called iCare Centers of America. And, you know, like just, I felt I was 26. I didn't have that many options. So I joined the army and that really changed my life around. It showed me that I was a man. You know, I, I, I felt like I was still a boy prior to joining the army. And it really helped me develop and um, evaluate myself amongst my peers. And I really stood out amongst my peers, but that's kind of a little bit of a backstory. So I started excelling in the army, went on our first tour, uh, came back. And then on our second tour was when I had the invention and it was a little bit less intense battle wise on the second tour there was like it was pretty relaxed actually and i was going to school i had started meditating i was doing yoga i was trying to like i had started watching the secret you know i don't Mm -hmm. know if you've heard of that i'm sure many people have right the law of attraction and i started really trying to open my mind to that possibilities the potential of you know, manifesting these things. And I had read Think and Grow Rich, which I always mention about when I was 23. So about three years prior, I had kind of gotten the seed of that type of thinking, shifting from the cubicle, you know, rat race type of thought and trying to escape that and create something for myself. And, um, but, you know, you asked about the invention and I, it was just really hot, and mm. it was so hot. I, I said, it's hotter than the devil's balls. It was like extremely <laughs> uncomfortable. And, you know, I was in Iraq, and mm. our generators had gone out. So we had no power. It was the summer of 2008. And I I was wearing these old underwear, like the old whitey tidy army-issued underwear that were actually probably someone else's that got mixed in in the laundry, because we're all doing like laundry together. And They were too big and they were cutting into my thighs and i already have sensitive skin okay Mm. so now i'll get to the point like because most people you know have that problem sometimes but don't think to fix it it's like you just unstick yourself from your leg Mm. and go about your day Mm. but this was so bad Mm. that i was like i cannot bear this another moment i like you know i ran inside a little Place that we lived. I don't know what they're called anymore, but um I just grabbed a towel and I stuffed it down my pants. So I'm sorry, (laughs) but I was just Mm -hmm. trying to separate everything. Mm -hmm. And uh and it it provided some relief initially, and that kind of got me thinking that if I was like, why doesn't Underword like have a little separating section for the man parts? Mm -hmm. Because that would be really helpful right now. And I was like, somebody probably has come up with this. So I Mm. went online. We had, by this time, 2008, we had online in Iraq. The first tour was much less access, but this tour was a little bit more. And so I start searching pouch underwear. Couldn't find anything for weeks. Uh, Finally, I found something uh, that was similar and it's obviously out of Australia is the company, obviously, which made sense to me. Like obviously why does an mm-hmm. underwear have a pouch and it was it's it's a similar concept as far as separating the men parts from in between your legs but there it was it was a more primitive kind of design in my opinion because it like just smashes everything together still and so it was i i actually ordered some from them and i got them and i was like okay but it wasn't quite right you know and i felt like i I needed to do better just for myself. It wasn't even, I wasn't thinking I'm going to start a million dollar company or anything yet mm. um, just for myself. And, and so I, I went to the tailor, we had tailors in Iraq and I, I had taken some underwear and some uh, a sketch pad of a drawing, like what I wanted them to sew which was basically sewing a pouch inside a you know piece of fabric inside the underwear that so when you put them on you could just separate your boys from the inner thigh region and they snickered at me and it's kind of I always you know it's like who's this guy well, he's mm-hmm. you don't alter your underwear you're just supposed to make them shorter or longer your pants mm-hmm. you know not your underwear but they did it and it was way too tight and it, did, it wasn't comfortable at all but I the concept was born and and I had like somewhere to start from and so. and do you find because
0: you the the main motivation for this idea, I guess, was the the climate, the heat. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find that given this design, your main market is in in, in areas where it's hotter? Uh,
1: yes, I mean, the southern states from Texas to Florida. Are typically very uh, busy during the summer months. And, but, you know, California, New York, these highly populated areas are also just, I think we get our most sales from like LA and New York City. Mm. But I think that's just because it's such a high concentration of people and we market tw- in those areas pretty st- heavily.
0: And, and, um so <clears throat> sorry a, a, a question came to mind and it just <laughs> just slipped um so how how did you so so you so yeah so, so i, I not i remember it now so so your underwear would be considered more of like a luxury item right at, at, at the at the price point um do, have you ever thought of, you know, because there are so many places in the world that are like, you know, deserts and hot places and things like that. Have you ever thought about like creating a mass consumer version of it that can be like mass produced and sold everywhere because uh, people who are living in like uh, really hot places, I think there there definitely would be a market for this.
1: Yeah, because, and that's where it was invented. And we have, we like, you know, you mentioned earlier, we're sold in 74 countries. We do have... People buying from the Middle East uh, region, but it's not that many. And I would like to focus more. We were gonna try to break through in Abu Dhabi. This lady was telling me that she had connections because she has an office there, and she's gonna make me pay her thirty-five thousand dollars for a maybe like an introduction. So I was like, oh, I don't. That's no. But I have a plan, and uh, I want we sponsor UFC fighters. A lot of them. And it occurred to me, this guy was fighting on the main event card on Saturday. His name is Balal, remember the name, Muhammad, Balal Muhammad. And he's like, I don't know where he's from. I think it might be Iraq, but he has that, you know, Middle Eastern look, but he looks like a model though, like a Middle Eastern model. And I want to, and I've reached out to him. We've, we're already talking. We've already sent him a care package and, you know, we're going back and forth. And But I want him to be like almost the face of Sheath for the Middle East because, you know, sometimes it helps for people to see someone that looks like them wearing a product to give it validation. Um, You know, different segments of different markets. I'll, you know, like a white man's not going to appeal as much maybe to a black person and vice versa, although I was just watching OJ. And he was like this... You know, he broke through all the racial barriers of marketing and, you know, he was the face of Hertz and stuff. And, you know, we started out with, you know, just our friends and stuff and like me and people that I knew. And it has grown to the point where now we're, we have every race, sex, or sexual orientation, like all these different people representing Sheath you know there's no real def- you know, it's not confined or to one segment it's like a worldwide product it men it's just men all men mm. whatever mm. race and there's a guy and I'll I'll let you ask another question but his name is Laith Ashley and he's a a trans male mm. so he you know transitioned to a male and he wears sheath. Mm. and that's just he's a, like a Versace model so I've mentioned him from time to time cuz he's like this people, you know, finding more and more people, higher profile status that to represent
0: our brand.
1: And it's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. So I know, um, when I read your story online, um, when I was researching it, I think I read that when you started for the first few years, the idea didn't really take off, like in terms of sales and things like that. Can you share a little bit about your initial experience and what what kept you going? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you had created this idea and you were using it, your friends were using it. It wasn't really taking off commercially, but for some reason, you just kept at it. And how, like, were you doing other jobs at that time to, to keep you financially, um, you know, taken care of and things like that?
1: Well, when I first had the idea, I was still in the army and I stay, I was still in the army until 2011. And we had cut, like the end of 2011 so we're right about 2012 and we had our first launch in 2010 which i had the idea in 2008 so about a year and a half later two years we launch and uh, it was out of a <clears throat> company in pakistan and they delivered the product it was our first production but what had happened was i was too quick to go to production and so mm-hmm. the product wasn't ready. And so that was the obstacle, which now, I, so I spent my last $5,000 on a product that I can't sell because it's, it, was, it was premature. And so what kept me going? Um, I read this book, like I mentioned earlier, Think and Grow Rich, for one. It's called, and, and one of the 17 principles of success is persistence. You don't, it's not over until you quit. It's not over until you give up. And I, I really felt as though I was sitting on a gold mine. Um, and because people would ask me, like, are you serious? Like, do you really think this is going to take off? And there was not even the slightest doubt in my, like, there's no doubt. I was 100% sure because why? Because I love the product. I wore it and I was like, if I like it this much, I really feel like other people are going to like it. I just need to fix it. <clears throat> and you know, get it out to them. So that belief and that faith that it would ultimately succeed and change my life and many others uh, is kind of what kept me going.
0: So you started in 2008. This is 2021. So almost uh, 13 years. Um, and and you, I think you said that you hit the million dollar mark in revenue, right? And in, in what year did you... Did you hear heard that? Mm-hmm. Like how, how long did it take you?
1: <laughs> okay. So I think it was two thousand nineteen. Hold on. Yeah. That we, we it was like nine hundred and something thousand. <clears throat> so we just say million. It was like nine ninety or something because and then in twenty twenty we did two point one. And we have typically doubled revenue annually since two thousand thirteen, which was the official relaunch after that. Initial launch in 2010, which you know set me back three years. And so, the lesson there to people that I say is don't rush the first production. Like, sure, don't wait till it's perfect because a lot of people, you know, if you wait to it's per till it's perfect to bring it to market, it'll you know you'll never bring it to market, but um, get it a little bit closer, don't just make sure it's ready at least in a beta level because yeah three years is a long time I, like had i not been set back three years i'd be three years further and in, in, like at first to market which we have some competitors like sax which got out in 2005 so we're like way behind them and two under came around came around this a, a similar time frame that we did but at the same time i, I feel like Everything happens for a reason. And uh, so that delay was part of God's plan or something, you know, because it, it, it actually benefited me. I was in a bad marriage and she would have got 50% of that business <laughs> if it had taken off. So I actually bought sheath back from my ex-wife for $1,000 during the divorce just because I didn't, you know, I was just like, I don't want you to be a part of this anyways. And so- So, the, so she, she, was
0: the, she was the co-founder for, for this company or- yeah.
1: No, no, I mean, okay. she, when you're married, you know, okay. that whole thing. And yeah. so we got divorced. I got the company. I bought it from her. And so that was like a blessing in disguise that it hadn't taken off yet because otherwise
0: she would have been a nightmare. So uh, the, the differentiating factor for this product is, of course, the pouch, but is the material also different? Uh, is there something different about the material or? funny
1: thing you uh, so initially it was 100 percent cotton i wanted okay. to because i knew i i felt like changing a product completely would be too much for let's just say older generational type people who are used to their ways and they don't like change you know so i wanted to introduce plus i like cotton who doesn't like cotton cotton yeah. it's a fabric of our lives and so i started with that and then we went to like 95% cotton and and some elastane to kind of give it some flexibility, and then we just started paying you know paying attention to trends in the market. And modal is a pretty durable and it's it's a high quality fabric. Modal it's a, extracted from a beech tree. It's semi synthetic. A lot of our competitors were using it and. Being a soldier without any experience in this type of, you know, field of work, I just like copy what other people are doing, you know, mm. and that are successful. Do that. So we changed to modal, 95% modal, and the majority of our products to this day are still made of 95% modal and 5% spandex. Or some, comp- I think it's 92% modal, but we just released a bamboo version. Which you would, you know, it's like could it really be that much better? I'll let you guys be the judge of that. I think when I put them on, I was like, "Whoa, this is like it was the cool." There was, there was, you know, it felt. And the modal feels the same way, but that, But then there's levels to comfortability and stuff, and the bamboo, and people who wear bamboo, I guess, kind of know and like swear by it. But it's just a really smart fabric i guess so it cools you when it's hot it keeps you warm when it's cool it's you know uh antimicrobial and stuff it's just it's. i'm liking it but we did just release it so i'm waiting to get more feedback on that and we have okay. other fabrics like the polyester blends that
0: uh, under armor might
1: use and things like
0: that so i know i know that you said that um what got you laid there were other competitors who were in the market and who have like similar designs and things like that um and now you're probably and i'm sure now there are more competitors um a couple not too many okay
1: but go ahead not too many but if there's like a dozen of us i would say pouch you know even haynes just came out with their own pouch or was it fruit of the loom one of them and so but it's such a weird design. I was like, "What do you, what does that even do?" It's got Velcro in it. I don't, I don't even get it. I have to go buy some, check it out.
0: So, so the the way, so the way you compete with these competitors now, the way you differentiate your company and your product is—is is, is it really your story, your backstory, uh, and also the the kind of people, the kind of market that you go after. So you mentioned that, you know, you you sponsor a lot of UFC athletes and things like this. Um, Can you share a little bit about your, uh, how, how you differentiate your brand uh, and what does it take to, to stand out in the marketplace?
1: Hmm. So what I do is find things that I like, that I resonate with and market using those like athletes or entertainers because like because then it's a win-win because I'm working with people I I enjoy working like I admire or look up to or get entertained by but also uh, they're promoting the product and but here's the thing okay so comedians they they tell stories they tell you things in a way that keep you know you're you have a more open mind and they hit a part of your brain that's more like maybe subconscious or whatever than a typical just somebody telling you about a product because you're you're listening to them you're vulnerable you're laughing and anyways so we use comedians a lot of comedians um and i feel for a new idea i felt like that it was important to use tech tactics that would break through that initial um resistance from a, a someone being presented a new product so you make them laugh break down their defenses you know we, we've used like cartoons and uh, drawings and, and it is funny kind of like if the product itself can be talked about in a funny way you're talking about balls and I don't know it can be see that's it yep. and so and there's so many ways to describe it and comedians come up with the most ingenious new descriptions of the product which i love because they're you know creative and all that so that is huge don't tell anyone about that (laughs) secret and uh and then you know i wanted to present it i wanted people to feel like there would be a god almost and i know that's like a strong word or whatever but like you know like a greek god like a mythology superhero uh, when they put them on. And so we want people that wear the product to pre- uh, present that image of hmm. uh, larger than life, badass, mf you know, that, so that's where the fighters come in. And that's where we have this guy, Robert Oberst. He's the strongest man in the world. He, he's like the fourth strongest, but I say he's the strongest because it sounds better. I'm the fourth strongest, mm-hmm. but I always correct myself because I don't want to lie. <laughs> but anyway, strongest man in America, Robert Oberst, and that's not even true. He's still the fourth <laughs> strongest. Anyways, you know, so we're trying to present the product in a way that is, gives you hope. I'm reading this book, you know, and, and there was a guy that created a, a makeup company back in the 1920s or whatever, and he never told the women that the product would make them beautiful but mm. he sold them the hope that it would, you know, or some. and I don't know how he did that, but hope goes a long way. And, you know, cause there, you, you can't tell, I can't tell a person that the underwear is going to make them strong and pretty, or, you know, but other people actually do say that. It's kind of funny. Like people, our customers will be like, I put them on and I felt sexy, you know, and that made, and that made me want to start working out. And so we have inspired people, and I think it's a lot of it's through our, our presentation of the product. Also, I, I guess it, we want to promote a healthy lifestyle. You know, do yoga, do meditation, do breathing techniques, and work out, martial arts—all you know the positive things that make a well-balanced life—and you know. It's, we listen to Gary Vee. I'm sure you guys, everyone knows about Gary Vee and yeah. I don't really listen to him anymore, but I did a lot and I've read some of his books and you kind of get the gist of it, hustle. I think he's just like work hard, grind, go, go, yeah. go. But um, he also, you know, he helped me get over my fear of doing these by telling, you know, he's like, you don't have to be something you're not just be who you are, when, where you are right now and show that progression of evolution over time of the, the entrepreneur. So, that, and so you don't have to fake it. You know, you fake it till you make it kind of, but at the same time, be real and, and show the people the journey. And that helped me just get on camera. I remember the first couple of times, uh-oh,
0: well,
1: I, I got onto like Facebook I would just—I got a little notice saying my internet was unstable. Hopefully, it's coming through okay.
0: Yeah, it's fine. But I would—okay, good.
1: I did a, you know, Facebook, and I was like a deer, deer staring in the headlights, because I, I was like, uh, what do I say? You know, <laughs> I'm nervous. They're all gonna laugh at you. But so I went on Twitter, where nobody watches their little Periscope lives, except like one person will pop in, and then zero, one, and. Dip my toe in the water of this, so he really helped me with that, um, and he he's got a lot of good advice for for young people trying to start something. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's he's got some. I think he definitely has a gift um, of 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 the gab, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> that that's his gift, and and I completely uh, understand your because I went through that phase also, you know, being in front of video and things like that. Um, I think some people are naturally comfortable being out there and being in front of video being, uh, and, and others, I guess, more more of the introvert personality, that's, uh, that's a bit of an effort, but you have to get used to it and and, and then it becomes better for sure. So, Mm-hmm. Um, I agree what, um, so I, so I know that, um, so, so you said, you know, you, you had for, you had the first $5,000 you invested in, in the manufacturing, creating your first batch of product that didn't work out. Any entrepreneur who's starting out, you know, their financing is always a challenge, right? You know, if you have an idea, you need some money to get that started, especially if you're working with a physical product. What was your experience like? Did you just invest your own personal money? Did you try to fundraise somewhere? How did you how did you finance your business in the beginning?
1: Both both of those. I am mostly my own money for the longest time. And you asked earlier if I had a job. So like, when I got out of the army, um, they have a this thing where if you go to school, they'll pay you to go, like fifteen hundred bucks a month. So I was getting 1500 bucks a month while I was getting my bachelor's. Then to keep it going, I went ahead and got my master's to keep getting that check while I was building the brand. And so this is into like 2013. Okay. And so I was getting money. Um, and, and, I, and I went and got, you know, I got a job at a golf uh, course, washing golf carts. Mm-hmm. I quit after like two months, but... I did try you know as i was just to get a little bit of extra money and i was delivering chinese food not chinese yeah chinese food for what, like in 2014 but that was to kind of, kind of pay the bills and at, okay so at the same time that five thousand dollars i had bought a thousand pairs and they mm-hmm. were all ruined but i went and worked at a tailor tony from elite tailoring vietnamese tailoring expert for sure and I said to him, "If you know, will you let me work? Like, uh, let me teach me how to sew, teach me how to work these machines, and I'll man your counters for free." Mm-hmm. And they were very suspicious. He had these old Vietnamese ladies in there, like, "What? What do you want in here? Get out!" And I'm like, "It's <laughs> like I have money." I was like, "I don't need your money. I'm trying to learn, you know, blah blah blah." So I, pr- I proved to them that I get a deposit from the government you know from for the GI Bill and anyways so they ended up letting me work there and he taught me how to sew and so I was going you know I was going to classes at night and stuff um, so I did a lot of that you know like kind of do whatever you got to do whatever it takes to succeed and that was 2012 and it was 2013 like I where, where when we ha- I'd been working there for about a year with him and I, des- I redesigned the prototype and found a manufacturer and sent it to them, they sent it back to me. And so now I have this prototype. And if you have a prototype, you can do a Kickstarter. Kick- I mean, I'm sure most people know what it is, but I'll explain yeah. if you don't, it's a crowdfunding website where you present a concept for a product, people pre-order that product in bulk. You take that money in a pool, pay the manufacturer, you pay you get the product and then send them all their orders like six months later. And they're, and they're cool with it because they want to support these growing businesses. And that was really cool. The bad part about that, well, it was, and it was successful. It, it, was, it's, it is stressful when you because you have a month and all we had to do was make like $8,000. I, I, I wasn't trying to get rich off. I just wanted to make mm. just enough to pay the balance due. And I had, I had gotten into an accident I got rear-ended coming home from a Joe Rogan comedy special and, by a taxi. And so it was, so I got a refund, a, a insurance check, like two, a month later, it was 5,000 bucks. And I instead of fixing my car, because there wasn't that much damage, I sent, that was a down payment for this initial batch of underwear from China, but I still needed the other 60% because you got to put 40 down and then you pay 60 when the production is done and so we had to be successful with the kickstarter otherwise i was gonna have to sell my car to pay off the balance which i would have done well so i was committed yeah i mean it was gonna happen but uh the kickstarter was successful 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 and we uh it, it was great but then And people are loving it. They're ordering more. We sell out. I ordered more from China, and they did me dirty. We like to say in the South. They -hmm. sent me product that was unsellable. It was mangled. There was threads coming out. The pouches were like sideways. I'm just like, why did you even send? Why did you even bother to send that? Mm -hmm. It was literally they. It was embarrassing. Anyways, it was embarrassing, and it took me a little. I don't. You don't open them up and look at them all like you know like you open one or something and check it and make sure it's good and the top one i think was fine but like a lot of them were messed up and so hmm. but it took about two months to figure out that the resupply was garbage and now what do you do i just spent so, all my money on the new one
0: so did you when when you went back to them and said you know you sent me garbage what uh what was their response what did get, they say
1: they gave me thirty percent of my money back.
0: Wow. <laughs> so,
1: and that's like okay. I was like, uh, okay, so. And and this
0: was through Alibaba, like just 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 for other people's, uh, so they can learn from it. Quick question. Was, yeah,
1: it was it was not from Alibaba, but I do recommend them these days because it is. Uh, I don't remember how we found. Was it Alibaba? I used to, I used originally I used a company called, it was like mfg.com, short for manufacturing.com. That was the initial one. I don't remember how I found this particular manufacturer, but um, I have, once you start making it, they'll start reaching out to you. And so what had, I, I don't remember, but Alibaba is the go-to place now for the listeners. Yes. You can put in, you know, just like a re- request and then manufacturers will respond with their pricing and minimum order quantities and, you know, terms and things, how much you pay up front and whatnot. But this other, so, you know, we, we're we just like, at this point, we hit a roadblock because I have all this product I can't sell and I'd spend all my money on that product. And we, But we had customers that wanted more. And it was a weird position to be in but still i would there was never any question of quitting or anything like that but i, I so i was like i don't know what to do but do another kickstarter because that's what we did last time that worked i'm not the smartest guy i'm like mm. that worked let's do that again you know mm. um and but the, you know it's like you can't do two in a row there you know there's you can't do that but it turns out a lot of people do do that actually a lot of people use Kickstarter, but that's beside the point. So we ended up doing it and I spent that 30% that I got back from the previous company on the down payment for this new manufacturer. And I'll tell you this, because I was, I, I, there's a lot of anxiety, stress, worry, you know, of, of the future when you're doing something like this, especially when something like that happens, you know, and I put all my eggs in this basket. Um, but... I never gave up and there's like a line somewhere in one of these books or movies about if you pass all the tests that the universe brings to you and and you show that you're not going to give up it'll open its doors for you but it's not going to let you through without going through all these tests but i i felt like because i didn't give up did it. I said, okay, here you go. Mm-hmm. And uh, this manufacturer reached out to me and they asked if they could create a sample for us. And I said, yeah. And I sent it to them and they made it better. They fixed it. They made, they made it like a perfect piece of clothing. And something though, and, uh, um- well i just wanted like when i would and so like there was an interim period of worry like is this gonna work still but i would go to that my closet in the middle of the night because i couldn't sleep and i'd put those underwear on and i'd be like yes it's gonna gonna work
0: because they were good
1: they were really good
0: and I think, I think at this point you had the validation from, uh, from Kickstarter. Like if people are willing to fund your idea, then, then you have a market there. So, so I think that, that, that probably gave you a bit more confidence also.
1: Uh, I was a little, yeah. I mean, I was a little bit nervous that they were gonna be like, you can't even get a production, right? You know, Why are we gonna buy from you again? But what ended up happening was they all bought again and told their friends. And so we kind of like doubled our previous Kickstarter on the second one. And, and you know, and the, the rest is kind of like history because we, you know, we did 30,000 in 2013, we did 60,000 in 2014, then 150, then 250, then 500, then 900, you know, then 2 million. And so it's like, not it's basically doubling most years i think there was one year that i skipped where we went from five eh, i don't you know it was one year where we didn't quite double actually we only grew by like 30 percent or something but uh for the most part we've doubled which is i don't know is that good i think that's good
0: that's pretty good yeah (laughs) and that's pretty good yeah Uh, i think you have a good good growth um Anyone who's watching and and who's who's had like a similar experience, like buying from China, where you know they order something and they receive the bad batch of products, I think there's a lot of. Uh, I would I'd would be interested in hearing your uh, you know what you do now to make sure that doesn't happen again. But I think what I've heard from a lot of people is there are actually specialized companies that are probably located in China, and for for a small fee, they they actually go to physically go to these, uh, manufacturing companies and, uh, and, and they check out, you know, at least I think 10 or 20% of the, of the, the batch to make sure that everything, uh, fits the specification and things like that. And, and so I think that's a, that's a really great way to make sure that the products that you're ordering from, from, you know, f- far, 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 mm-hmm. uh, beyond where you are, uh, that, that, that you're not, uh, wasting your money. Is this something that you do now or?
1: I we have such a good relationship with this company that we've been with since 2014. The one that sent me that pair, like um, we've been with them since 2014, and so we haven't had to do that. We we've had one issue, maybe two, with fabric being too thin or something. So what those guys do is they'll go in and you know measure the density and quality of the fabric, making sure it's up to the spec specifications that you send them and they, and they act on your behalf and just go test it. Like you said, and it's really cheap. It's like a hundred bucks or so. It's mm. not that much money for them to go in there and do it. We just don't because we don't need to, but those companies are out there that exist. I went to uh, some fair in Las Vegas. I forget what it's called, but it's where a lot of vendors from all over the world go to present what they have to sell, you know, to entrepreneurs here. And I forget, the, it's like OneCo, TestCo or something, TestCo, where they, you know, will do what you were just saying. And I do recommend it, especially because you might think it's going to be like ex- extremely expensive and it's not. And if you haven't done a production with a company it's for that added, you know, confidence or you know reassurance and protection i think it i definitely recommend it i just don't because we have our company that we we'll have been working with and we just found a new company not just found just started work making underwear with a new company but we've been making shirts with them for like five years and they uh you know will let us do smaller minimum order minimum orders so for anyone that's what like a minimum order of any particular product like if you're going to make shirts or underwear it's probably going to be about two thousand. now you might be get lucky and find a company that's willing to work with you and then you do like 500 but that just to give you uh probably not going to get less than 500 and just putting that out there because that is like a factor a barrier of entry it's like okay five dollars or ten dollars whatever your price per thing is times two thousand you know that's what you and then shipping then the tariffs that were in increased over the past few years yep. ship yeah it gets there's a little bit of a barrier to entry which you know that's what kickstarter is for and you got to make sure and factor that in a lot of times people run a kickstarter just to cover their costs but don't factor in taxes and shipping and then that has to come out of pocket it just
0: you know factor that yep. in. i want to shift gears a little bit towards marketing um mm-hmm. i know that uh, you have uh, you've done some some gorilla kind of marketing i know there was a story where you through an underwear at Joe Rogan <laughs> or something yeah. like that. Can you share a little? Yeah. I mean, I, I want to hear that story. Uh, awesome. But but I also want to learn about what are some of the other kind of marketing that you're doing these days that, that is working for your company.
1: Okay, right. So big fan of Joe Rogan, and uh, you know it was December of 2012. I don't know the exact date, but I had the plan to go there and throw these underwear on the stage. After his set, you know, you don't want to like interrupt his comedy routine, but when he's done, throw him up there. And so he, w- I could tell he was done because he's doing crowd work. He's, we're in Austin, Texas, and he's just talking to the people saying, you know, jokes and whatnot, riffing, riffing it up. So I was like, this is my chance. And I'm recording it all. I do have it all audio recorded. But it's kind of cringy to listen to because it's pretty <laughs> embarrassing. But So I throw him up there. And he noted, you know, of course he noticed, he's like, what's this, an Austin is weird shirt? Uh, Keep Austin weird shirt. And he picks it up and he said, "Sheath a pouch for, in your underwear. What are you trying to hide, from jugs in there? This is the stupidest idea I've ever heard of. Or maybe a billion dollar idea. And, and I was like, thank you, when he said billion dollar idea. But I, I had you, so I've had Joe Rogan since 2012 saying, it's a billion dollar idea. And I, I wanted to take that and he also said this is a horrible marketing idea. Don't do that, you know. He, and he's just, and that to this day. Well, not to this day, because there's a, a silver lining here that just happened recently. But he he wouldn't take any of our. I wanted to sponsor his podcast. We sponsor a lot of podcasts. So you ask how we market and mm-hmm. we promote on a lot of podcasts, um, but they're all former guests of joe rogan it's like if you he's like johnny carson of our time If so if you've been on rogan and i liked you i'm reaching out to you i'm sponsoring you and i'm gonna pay you and so to to represent sheath and so we got like all of his friends like most of them honestly as many as we mm-hmm. could to mm-hmm. and we started sponsoring them so now 10 years later no nine years later one of our sponsored um you know promoters michael malice i'll say his name that guy kills it for us he's so great michael malice i definitely recommend his podcast but he went on joe rogan in the last 20 seconds of this episode that aired last month he, t- he when joe said where can people find you he said buy she's underwear and joe rogan said she and he I, it's like did he remember did he not remember i don't know but he was like oh really she's underwear he's like is it good underwear and malice said, it's the best underwear it's got a separate pouch for and he was like and they said some words i won't necessarily repeat but he was like "Hmm." he he gave it the hmm and (laughs) so we've been on rogan now and he knows about us and that was just like a you know like a dream come true if you will just to have our product mentioned on his show and him not delete it or whatever i thought he he might cut it out or something because after it happened, and he had my, Michael Malice, he said, "How much will you pay me if I get you on Rogan?" I said, 10 grand." He said, "Okay." But thinking back though, it's like if I had known it was going to be the last twenty seconds of a three-hour <laughs> podcast, I might not have said ten grand. But I think it actually did something because, but you know, since Rogan's gone to Spotify, his the numbers are down a lot mm. like a re- i mean i used to listen to every episode now i listen to like one and four or something maybe um but our, our numbers did go up for him and i'll like we're spending about 20 percent of our revenue on, on advertising so if we're making three hundred thousand dollars, which we haven't hit that number yet but i think we might this month we're spending like 50 grand on um, mm. Uh, ads, which is a lot, right? But one mm. ad for Rogan is ten grand, no, fifty grand, fifty thousand okay. okay. dollars for one minute You know, but the guys I'm paying, it varies. You know, I, I've paid as high as six thousand for Andrew Schultz, or two hundred and fifty dollars for Michael malice the same guy I just said that got us on Rogan. I was paying him two hundred and fifty dollars an episode, and that guy, we've now we sponsor every episode. And it's gone up to about four fifty per episode. And then we sponsor everything he does on YouTube. And he's gone on other podcasts and promoted our product, like Lex Friedman, great podcaster. Love that yeah. guy. Um and Malice mentioned us on Lex Friedman and that killed. So he's going on other people's podcasts and talking about us. And that's great. I want more people to do that. That's and, and y- that's and Go ahead. And every and every
0: time it is mentioned, you 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 do see a a bump in the sales.
1: Yeah, and we use codes to validate it, and you know you know some people are coming from are using honey you know honey codes or some different stuff, but it's it's his his codes. He's our highest valued promoter, and we don't even he's not our highest paid one. Don't tell him that.
0: I know, I know we're running out of time, so um, I guess I'll ask you uh, this question. Uh, I, I want to know a little bit about your team. Uh, so you're, you're uh, almost 2 million uh, in revenue. Uh, what, what does your team look like right now? We have five people that live in a
1: house in San Antonio and then me here with my wife in a warehouse down in the basement we're actually moving the warehouse to another warehouse and we've moved warehouses a lot that anyways but there's so there's seven team members currently active uh, with two kind of satellite what would you call them they're not employees remote yeah i know yeah but uh, contractors they're on the okay. team but they're not like officially on the team so then that would make it nine i think and but we had, and we had a guy in the UK but he just As our inventory grew, he couldn't keep up with the. Just he didn't have space for it, you know. We were like he was doing it out of his house, and then we were right about to move into the UK officially with like a, a big three PL third party logistics, Uh, forget the name of it, but and then COVID hit, and what was and I know I do have I have to go too, but what was interesting is we were producing all this inventory for uh, for to expand into Europe. COVID hit and so I told China I said don't send it to Europe send it to me and that's why I have it in my basement right now because we weren't doing shipping until you know until COVID hit like we had a a, you know just a warehouse company that ships for 300 other products and those are horrible by the way I mean I haven't found a good one yet and we're well so we having brought it back home it was doing well but now we're doing so many orders a day that it's like we we're, we either have to build our own warehouse or re go back you know outsource it again so we're outsourcing it again for now because it's a i don't want to be a warehouse worker you yeah. know supposed to be the ceo you know but i i have been and i was i'm actually going to go back downstairs and do about 17 more orders after this and i you know did like 30 but we have a few different warehouses uh well two right
0: now two total so, so you're doing your fulfillment uh, your, on your own, like in, in-house.
1: Yes, but it, it, actually only about 20% is in-house. Like 80% is at this, uh, it's a company in St. George, uh, I don't know, St. George shipping or something, uh, Utah. And it's just, a, that's what they do. They ship stuff, but we're their only client. And that's why we went with them is because they're starting a new, they were like, we're starting a new fulfillment center. And I'm t- and i personally am tired of working with these companies that have 300 other, um, you know, people they're shipping for because you don't you know you have no priority. You, I we want to take care of our customers and he's giving us the kind of customer service, same day shipping level that we want for our customers and you know we want to be like Amazon to an extent and value wow with the shipping as well as the product and our customer service.
0: I know we only have maybe one minute left. We'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I quickly want to do the rapid fire round. So I'll ask you a few questions and you have to answer them maybe one word or one sentence quickly. Mm-hmm. So the first question is, do you have any book recommendations? I know you mentioned a few books. Uh, do you have any book recommendations for entrepreneurs or business people? Uh,
1: I mean, I would just say Think and Grow Rich. And then this book, which is a derivative, Success Through a Positive Mental Attitude. I don't know if it's coming up. But uh, also written by Napoleon Hill, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. You can't go wrong. It's a little dry, but everything's in there. All the other success books are a derivative of that book. Go ahead.
0: Uh, An innovative product or idea in the current e-commerce, retail, or tech landscape that you feel excited about? I guess Tesla's, I don't know
1: if that's how new that is, but we just got one (laughs) and it's awesome.
0: Uh, a business or productivity tool or software that you would recommend or a productivity tip?
1: Uh, we're using a Discord as a team um, communication pro- platform. That's been working really well. Slack is pretty good also. Discord's
0: free. Go ahead. Uh, a startup or business that you think is currently doing great things?
1: Startup or business that is currently startup. An uh, e-commerce I mean, retail. Can I say gas digital network? It's a, it's a podcast network okay. and there it's just something I can think of right now. They're doing really well.
0: Uh, a peer entrepreneur or business person whom, whom you look up to or someone who inspires you besides Joe Rogan.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I mean, okay. So Napoleon, yeah. Napoleon Hill. Who do I listen to right now? Where's Tim Dillon? They're not inspirational. <laughs> uh, hmm. Any on.
0: entrepreneur, any peer entrepreneur that you learned from?
1: I know. And, I mean, and, I mean, I would say Gary Vee, but like maybe let's say Andy Frisella. I like him. You know who he is? The MF CEO. He owns First Form. Okay. And I used to listen to him a lot. I do recommend him. I haven't listened to him in a while, but he's also kind of like a real no-nonsense business, get it done, and a lot of principle. Uh, like there's a, this there's, there's a stuff, you don't have to reinvent anything to be successful. The principles are all laid out before you. You yeah. just have to kind of do it. Yeah. And yeah, He
0: lays it out for you like that. And final question, best business advice you have ever received or you would give to other entrepreneurs? <sighs>
1: <clears throat> hmm. I, I, would, I mean, there's so many, I, per, you have to be persistent and you, when it's not over until you give up. I, I guess that's what I would say.
0: Perfect. Uh, thank you, Robert. Thank you for joining me today at TripTalk. Thank you for sharing your story. Uh, and sharing your uh, business insights. Um, where can people buy your products? Where can people listen to your podcast? How can people get in touch with you?
1: Thank you so much. Um, go to sheathunderwear.com. We're also available on Amazon. That's S-H-E-A-T-H, underwear.com, and uh, Amazon. I have a podcast, the Robert Patton Global Podcast. It's on all the different platforms, including YouTube, my and my handle is bobby the bank if you want to follow me and see what i'm about i don't have that many followers I'm trying to build my public pro- profile bobby the bank on all the
0: platforms all
1: right. so that's it thank you
0: thank you so much really really appreciate your time really appreciate uh, you sharing your story and and all the business uh, insights uh, thank you thank you so much for joining us today at tripbox
1: i really appreciate you thank you very much for asking and it
0: was fun.